We want to welcome you to the First Pulpit Podcast with Pastor Brent Snook. We truly hope that the message will bring you the encouragement you need today. After you listen, we'd appreciate it if you take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. When you do, you'll be encouraging others to listen so they can discover the saving power of the gospel through God's Word. Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Probably everyone here sometime has gone through a performance review. You've either given the performance review or you've gone through a performance review, and the only way you haven't is if maybe you're self-employed and you have been all your life. But most of you have done one or the other, or maybe you've done both of them. I came across some uh, actual performance review comments, and uh, I found these quite interesting and quite humorous. Let me share a couple of them with you. There's a lot of them. They're really funny. Some of them are funny, but here's a few of them. One boss said about his employee when he was reporting to his superior, he said about this for the performance review, he said, since my last report, this employee has reached rock bottom and has now started to dig. Somebody else, another performance review, said he sets low personal standards and he consistently fails to achieve them. (laughs) That's pretty bad. One said this employee is, now I didn't write these, okay, I'm I'm just reading them. He said this employee is the employee is depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. (laughs) These are real reviews. And a lot more, but I'll give you one more. The wheel is turning, but the hamster is dead. (laughs) Well, you probably have been through a performance review somehow, some way. But did you know that all of us as God's people, every Christian will have a performance review at the end of life on this earth? Now, some of you... And you're like, okay, all right. So today I want to take and give you a story of Jesus. I certainly have no desire to tell you a story because I've got one a whole lot better than anything I could come up with. And that's a story that Jesus actually told all of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to whatever he has done, and then it says whether it be good or bad. Let me give you a little background behind our text today. We come to another short story of Jesus, and you and I, we know we call that a parable. An easy definition of a parable is simply this. A parable is an earthly story with a very heavenly meaning. This parable today that Jesus told is actually predominantly for the church. That means that this parable, this short story, is for every single one of us that make up the local church that are real born-again children of God. The period from when the master departs, which we'll read, 
to when the master returns represents something in actual time. It represents the time when Jesus ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1 to the time where he comes back at the rapture for his church. This is a story of accountability. In other words, it's a story of a performance report. This story is for you. This story is for me. By the way, Jesus is away right now, isn't he? I haven't seen Jesus on the face of this earth in all of my life. And if you have, um, I'll talk to you afterwards. We have not seen Jesus because Jesus isn't roaming the earth. Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's on a far journey, isn't he? But he says he's coming back. And he says that we will stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, you ready for the short story of Jesus? It's a pretty cool one. Read with me. I would say the story starts in verse 14, but honestly, it actually begins in verse number 13. And the reason I say in verse 13 is because it's important for you and for me to understand the context behind it. He says in verse 13, watch therefore, for you don't know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. All right, there's the context, the coming back, the return of Christ. Then he tells the story. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another he gave one, to every man according to the several ability. Notice that. He gave it according to their ability. And straightway he took a journey. Then he that had received five talents went, he traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had two, he also gained two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that I received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, notice what he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that, uh, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gatherest where I have not strawed or sown. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from this guy, 
and given unto him which hath ten. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I want to just say, don't get hung up on the last verse. That's not what I'm going to preach on today. I do not believe at all that's talking about taking this uh, uh, follower of Christ and he didn't use his talents and cast him into hell. I don't believe that at all, and there's a hundred reasons why. But what do I want to share with you today? I want you to see an outline that you could have picked out easily, probably reading it three times through. First of all, the responsibility that every one of these guys had, all three of them, In verse 14, remember, Jesus in his story says that a man was traveling where? He was just going to a faraway country. He was going a long distance. He was going on a journey that wasn't the next town over, but a long place, a long journey away. Hey, where has Jesus gone? Is he right around the corner, humanly speaking? No. No, Jesus has gone off into a far, far country, hasn't he? He's gone off into heaven, and there he has called on you and me, God's people, his servants, to a task. And the task for every one of us is filled with responsibility. First of all, this master, he distributes gifts. He calls these guys together and he gives each one of them talents. Three servants receive three different levels of talents. One of them received five. One of them received two and one received one. And it's easy for us to say, well, that's not fair. But I want to tell you, it's as fair as can be. And if you'll listen carefully and really let the Spirit of God speak, it'll comfort your soul. God does not give us all the same gifts, nor does he give us all the same amount of gifts. Now, lest you feel sorry for the dude who only got one talent, let me explain to you. That is a very high level of currency. Very high level of uh, currency. Some scholars say that it was actually worth $300,000. How would you like to be a steward of $300,000 of someone else's money? A scholar by the name of Grant Osborne, he says, no, it is valued one talent, $800,000. But Tony Evans says in today's currency, it's actually valued at $1,400,000. Needless to say, Every single one of these servants had a very great task ahead, didn't they? Friend, just remember something, and it'll be an encouragement to your soul. Remember something. It's not about who has more talent. It's not about, no, what it's about is remember he gives us what our capability is. Someone one time asked Josh McDowell, Most of you know who Josh McDowell is, right? He's a great uh, apologetic uh, individual, speaker, and man, he's written tons of books and evidence that demands a verdict and all these different books, and they're great books on apologetics and proving different things of the Word of God. And one time somebody asked him, hey, Josh, what is your spiritual gift? And you know what his answer was? He said, well, for me, it's kind of like Christmas. (laughs) You get the idea, right? 
He's saying, God gave me a lot of gifts. In other words, Josh McDowell was saying in a kind way, I'm a five-talent kind of guy. The problem is we are so prone to comparison, aren't we? You don't ever do that, do you? Oh, man, I'm telling you what. Every one of us know what it is to compare, compare, compare with other people, with other people's gifts. We all are so easily to compare. But I want to tell you there's a great warning there. There is a warning there for every one of us. Comparison is a very dangerous thing because we're not all five-talent people. We're not all two-talent people. But we are all at least a one-talent person. We are all given some degree of talents, and we are given those talents for a reason, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Oh, we not, may not, uh, uh, we uh, are very possible to be guilty of not using a two-talent gift. Do you know why some people don't use their two-talent gift? Because they're not a five-talent person and they're upset about it. So I'm not using it. But here's the, here's the temptation of it all. The temptation, you know, the devil always, always wants us to get off target, off balance, you know? Always wants us to. So here's, here's what's easy to happen. Some people are very proud. And they get very proud because they're five-talent people. Other people are very, very insecure because they're only a one-talent person. Someone said this. They said, you know that you are good when you can look at other people's work and admire it. And that's some real depth there. Now remember, who is it and how did these dudes get their talent? They got it because the master gave it to them. The master gave them the talent in order to be a steward. God has given you and me any talent that we may have. Imagine if we all use God, the God-given talent that he has entrusted to us. Imagine if every single one of us from the furthest person in the balcony and in the corners all the way down to the people right here in the front. Imagine if every one of God's people, if every one of us would use the talent that God has given. Can you imagine what First Baptist Church would look like? Amen. Just try to imagine it. I have been going to West Claremont, and uh, man, I couldn't come Monday. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Uh, Paige down here, she was on the basketball, West Claremont basketball team. They were ranked number one in the state for the entire year, and uh, they got beat in the tournament. That's tough, that's tough, but you'll always remember, man, not too many people can say they got ranked number one in the state, so you always got something to be proud of and thankful for. But I could go Tuesday, and I could go Friday, and uh, you know, we sang some songs and, and it talked about loneliness. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's some, there's some lonely hours in the night. Not in the day. I'm busy, busy, busy. But a few nights. And so I decided I'm going to go. It's right across the street and down the road from me. And so I went to 
the last two weeks, I went to every Tuesday night game, Friday night game, and then this past week, Tuesday night game, Friday night game. And I watched, I watched a lot of high school basketball. I won't tell you the name of the team because I don't want to, I don't live stream, you know, you never know. But I, I remember the guy's number. His number was number 20. And uh, we got another guy uh, that plays for Goshen. And uh, amazing. They, in our church, we got some great basketball players in our church. Number 20 for this team, I'm going to tell you what, his defense was impeccable. I'm going to tell you what, I would have hated to have him guarding me anytime I would have ever played. He didn't shut him down completely, but the first game I saw him, all they did was put that guy, number 20, on the other team's best player to try to shut him down. And rather than getting about 22 points, which the guy was normally used to, I think he got maybe eight. I came back and I watched him play again. This time they put him on their number one player. And I watched him shut that guy down to about six points. Hey, you know how many points this guy had? Three. say good night he's out there starting for the yeah but you know what the difference was about 18 to 20 points because he shut the other guys down from what their normal average was you get the point don't you his talent wasn't number one offense his talent was amazing in defense and the coach was wise enough to have that guy I mean, like he was right like a a, a uniform on a body of another guy. Imagine if we all took that talent, used it, and doubled it. Imagine what every single solitary local church under the umbrella of Jesus Christ could become if the people in the local church would use their talents for the Lord as a steward. Choir sang first service today. If you love the choir at first services where they sing, they were great. They sounded so strong and so good. You say, well, then they don't need me. No, imagine what they could be if you were in the choir. You don't have to go to first service to be in the choir, you know. Our tech team gets burned out. Do you know why? Because some of them haven't sat in a seat like you're sitting in for months and months and months. And they get burned out. People in the camera. We have to have camera. People every single week will write me or text me or email me and say, thank you so much for live stream. It doesn't just happen. There are people back here that are back there right now. You never see their face, but you know what? How do I know that there are some of you that are called the tech team because of the need? Oh, how amazing it would be if everyone would step up and say, I can use my talent for the Lord. Children's ministry, social media, helps, mercy, giving, cameras. And there's the distribution of these gifts. And the master said, I'm going to give you guys these gifts. And all of a sudden, guess what? There's a determination. They had to determine something. They had a choice to make. Number one, to use the gift. 
Two of them did. They used the gift. They invested the talents. They gained five more. They doubled them. Both of those guys did. But there's another guy. He didn't use it. He abused it. One of these servants, he took, and he took that talent, that gift, and abused that gift. He took and he set it idle. He dug a hole. He buried it in the hole and never used it. He forgot something. It wasn't his to dig and bury. It was the Lord's money. It wasn't his to abuse. But rather, it was given to him to use. That is simply called stewardship. So the first thing I want you to notice is all of us have been given a gift. All of us have been given a talent. There's not one single solitary person who is truly a child of God that God has not given you a talent to use. There's a second word I want you to remember, and that word is reckoning. There was a reckoning. Notice verse 19. After long, a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and he reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. Now, the second guy, same thing happens, but I want you to notice there's two things to remember. First of all is the time, the timing involved in the reckoning. This is key. Do you know what the timing is? After a long time. After a long time. You say, what's so, what is so profound about that phrase? Let me ask you, do you ever get tired in waiting for the Lord to come back? Are you growing impatient? Is it possible that you are weary, just plain weary in well-doing? Oh, the signs, my dear friend, of the times are sure seeming to be very, very strong today, aren't they? If you know your Bible and you know any of the signs of the times, the Bible tells us we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but we sure will know the signs of the times. Jesus said that. North Korea popped its ugly head again in the last week or two with more nuclear testing. That doesn't concern me near as much as this past week with Russia and China and the alliance now that they have. You say, well, okay, You know, what's so significant about that? I'll tell you what's so significant about it. Over 2,000 years ago, God wrote all about that. And Russia and China are real big, big players in the whole map of the end time events. This past week, I had a couple of my grandkids with me, and, and one of them looked out the window. It was that really hot day where the wind was crazy. And he looked up at the sky and he said, hey, Poppy, is, is it the wind that moves the clouds? Friend, the winds of God are, the moving, are moving the clouds in a very swift way today. And we better be looking to the sky 
because our redemption draweth very near and so is our reckoning day. Here's the point. You and me, if we are God's people, we are God's stewards. You and me, if we are truly God's people and we are his stewards, God has placed talents in your hands and in my hands in order to use. Why? For the furtherance of the kingdom until he comes back. You see, God is striving to build his kingdom. God's not on a vacation and doesn't care about this place until he comes back. No, we are to be building the kingdom of God with the talents that he has placed in our hand. And one day he is coming back. But right now he is watching and gauging how we are doing. And on that day he comes back, we, me, you, will give an account. We'll give a reckoning. There's the timing. But what are the tests? What is God looking at? What is he gauging? First servant, he used five talents, and you know, he invested them. He came back for that reckoning day, and the test was there before him, and his master stands before him. And in this amazing, uh, wonderful story, uh, the master, he looks at him, and he says, what have you done with the five talents? And he smiles, no doubt, although Jesus didn't say that. And he says, Lord, master, I, I not only have the five talents you gave me, but I doubled them. I have now 10 to give back to you. You see, when we use our talents, God takes them. And the simple as I am, I'm telling you right now what is encouraging to me is every time I stand before you and preach the word of God, I know I have a Bible that's infallible. I know I have a perfect Bible that I can preach with authority. And I know that God's called me. I also know that I, I don't, I'm not a five-talent guy. I'm not. I would like to be, but I'm not. I've got friends that they've got a lot more talent than I do. But I also know that God has said, take my word and in a simple way, do what I've called you to do and watch how I will use it. Pastor Bob and Laura were, I think, at Cracker Barrel some time ago. I think it was Cracker Barrel a couple years ago. They invited their server to come to church. She did. Last night I went and picked up a salad at Old Charlie's and took it home and ate it. And I, I uh, uh, it was a rough night, to say the least. Some of you guys know what rough nights are all about. And I took it, ordered it. I actually did get back to working out. I've been working out for the last two weeks. Aren't you guys glad for that? Hopefully you'll see this a little bit, go a little bit down more. And, and uh, I really didn't feel like talking to anybody. But the server came out, gave me the meal. And I got out my simple good news track. And all I said to her was, I gave her a good tip, by the way. Give good tips. Please give good tips. And don't give a track if you don't give a good tip. And on Sundays, they know who you are. If you go out to eat, give them a really good tip. And I just looked at her, gave her a track, and I said, hey, she's a young girl. 
I said, I'm sure at your age you don't think a whole lot about death. That's how I started out. I didn't even get to finish. She said, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. You know what? God has given us a talent, and every one of us have a talent to do Bob. Ask God for a burden, take the opportunities, and be bold with them. And Pastor Bob and Laura did that. This girl came. Hey, guess what? She got saved. Guess what she's doing now? She's inviting all her friends, and guess what's happening to them? They're getting saved. Umpteen years ago, Pastor Jeff, a couple came to our church, and Pastor Jeff went on a Tuesday night and visited them, and they got saved in their home. And and Pastor Jeff used his talent, and the Kirkers have been so faithful ever since, and they use their talents, and now their kids are being raising their grandkids now, faithful. Oh, the list goes on and on and on. I can remember being at Hansford's house and Austin getting saved. And the Francis being in my office and them getting saved. And the list goes on and on. And all God says is, you're just a simple dude. You might be a two-talent, a one-talent. Some of you are a five-talent. Just use them. And God says, watch what I can do. Do you know that one day we're given an account of our stewardship? Hey, how are you doing so far? Our master is coming back and we will have a reckoning day. Second servant, he just came and and, and he stood before his master and and he smiled no doubt too and he, he had been given two talents and he took them and he invested them and he gained two more and he doubled them. Oh, may we see the talents God has given us and may we use them to the best of our ability. Be faithful. John Wooden, he was one of the most winningest coaches to ever coach the game of basketball. He coached at UCLA, amazing, amazing coach and an amazing record. He coached Lou Alcindor, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he coached Bill Walton, and he had all kinds of, but did you know that in high school, he was a good basketball player himself? Played for Indiana. A high school in Indiana. They went to the state, and they were in the final state championship game. But they got beat by one point. His dad had taught him from the time he was a kid. He said, Johnny, don't whine. Don't complain. Don't make excuses. Just do your best, Johnny. Do your best. When they lost that game by one point, John Wooden said every player on his team was in the locker room crying except for him he said I was so disappointed but the only reason I wasn't crying is because I knew that I had done my best and John Wooden said that when he got home as a high school student he walked into the door and his dad came and put his arm around him and his dad quoted him a poem (laughs) a poem yeah listen to what he said here's the poem He said to John, his son, you're going to do better than some, and some are going to do better than you. But you should never accept the fact that you didn't make the effort to do the best that you could do. Do you know that's all God expects of you? 
and me. That's all he expects. That is all he expects. There are times, listen to me, there are times that I walk out of here on Sunday mornings and I am very encouraged. There are many days I walk out of here and you'll never understand it unless you're a preacher or a pastor where I walk out of here discouraged. But I have to realize in my own soul that I've done what God's called me to do. And by the way, don't think that, oh, it's a number of people that come forward. I got over that uh, 30 years ago, you know. It's not that, it's, There's a lot of different things that take place. But as long as you do what you've been called to do, you can walk out and know you've used your talent. There was a third servant. He took it. He hid it. He buried it. I couldn't help this week as I studied this to just wonder, I wonder why. I wonder why this guy wasn't like the other two. Why did he take, and God, Jesus didn't tell us in his story. He doesn't tell us. And I think there's a, uh, some good reasons why the Bible doesn't give us like the thorn in the flesh of, of Paul. He doesn't tell us what it was. That's all right. You've had some thorns. I've had some thorns. We've all had some thorns, and they're not all the same. It's a thorn in the flesh. Jesus didn't tell us in this story why this guy didn't double his talent. So my mind begins to wonder, maybe the guy was a lazy guy. Maybe he's just lazy. You ever met lazy people? Maybe he was too busy with a lot of other things. Just so busy with everything else. Maybe he just wasn't interested. Maybe he just was not simply interested in this that his master called him to do. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe his master was gone too long and he got other interests and he wanted immediate gratification. I think of Esau. Esau. I mean, Esau was the oldest brother of Jacob. There was two of them. Can you believe that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup? Is that, is that, I mean, come on, is that not insane? Is that not absolutely crazy? You say, well, I don't know. What, what, what do you mean by the birthright? The birthright, the oldest son in the Old Testament, fathers would give the oldest son a special inheritance somewhere down the road. To the firstborn. Esau was the firstborn. He came in from hunting and he was, man, he was so hungry. And he came in and he said to Jacob, I will give you my birthright for that bowl of soup. Every one of us in here say, that's crazy. How many Christians want gratification right now? Now, and aren't worried about, about amazing satisfaction down the road in heaven. Well, one more word rewards. Rewards. Let's notice, first of all, the faithful servant, the recompense of the faithful. There were several ways that these two guys. 
faithful servants were rewarded. Several ways that they were rewarded right here in this passage of Scripture. The first way, they were rewarded with words. Notice verse 21. Verse 21 says, well done, right? That's what the master said to these two guys, both of them. He said, well done. Those are words of affirmation. Those are words that say you did so well. I've got a book that I have here, and it's, all it is is a Century of Sports, Classics Edition. You say, why do you have that? Well, I'll tell you, there's a story behind it. I was about a, maybe I was a senior in high school, and uh, I walked up one night, evening, to my bedroom. It was late at night, and this book was laying on my bed. And I, I looked at it, and I thought, I mean, I, I really got excited. I thought, this is really going to be cool. I mean, look how thick it is, and it's all the classic sports. Uh, I mean, the sports are uh, amazing. I mean, the context, uh, contents, it, it's uh, uh, football, baseball, golf, basketball, horse racing, boxing, tennis, track and field, the Olympics, auto racing, ice hockey, ski. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But I've seen a lot of books like this. Maybe not this good. You say, then why do you have it? Because of what it says in the very front. And who wrote it? It's not very long. It's not that profound. All it says is, to Brent, a good athlete, from dad, with love. Hebrews 12.1. That's all it says. There's a whole lot of books I've had through my life. Can you imagine all the books I've had? But there's one book that I know where it's at. I always know where it's at. And I keep it where I'm always going to know where it's at. It's this one. You know why? Not what's inside. But the words that my dad wrote to me. One day, we're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to say some words. What did the master in this story praise the servants for? Their faithfulness. You remember, uh, what's your favorite chapter in Hebrews? Mine's Hebrews chapter 11. I love that chapter. You know why? Because it's all these different people, men and women. It's called the chapter of the heroes of faith. You know what that means? The heroes of faithfulness. Those who were faithful. Revelation is filled with people who were faithful. All right, you know what the master said to him? Look, don't miss. He said, good and faithful. You see that? Thou good and faithful. There was the reward of words. But that's not all. Notice verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's the words. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make thee ruler over many things. We'll stop right there. Here's the reward of, you ready for this? More work. Right? That's what he gives him. You have been so faithful over the things that I have given to you, I'm going to make you ruler over much. Now, I want to tell you something, and if you are smart, 
I'm asking you to listen to me because this should make a compelling difference in your motive to serve the Lord. The timeline of the events of eschatology, which means the doctrine of end times. The timeline right now is that Jesus ascended to heaven, Acts chapter 1. This right now is the church age, by the way. I've heard over and over again, things always come back. There's nothing new under the sun. I've heard too many people talk about, well, we just go to home church. Okay, who's your pastor? Where's the baptisms? Where's the communion, the Lord's Supper? Where are the deacons? Is it really a church? Is it really? Or is it a Bible study? There's a difference. And these guys right now, we talk about the church age, that's where we're at. The next thing on the timeline of God is the tribulation. Seven years of the only way I know how to describe it, it is not hell, but it's the closest thing to hell on earth. And then what starts next? The millennium. Millennium, how do you spell it? Just remember this. It's got two M's in it, it's got two L's in it, and it's got two N's in it, all right? Millennium. And the millennium is the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ when he comes back on this earth. Who's he coming with? The saints of God, you and me. All right, now pay close attention to the short story of Jesus. The short story, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I'm telling you, my dear friend, the way you and I handle our talents today will determine our positions and where God uses us in the millennium. Do, do you know that? Have you never heard that? I'm telling you on the authority of God's word, how you and I serve today will determine how God uses us, not only today, but also in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. You say, man, I'm going to live to be 80 years of age and I'm going to get all the gusto I can. What in the world is that compared to a thousand-year reign in on this earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all of heaven. God is watching how you and I use our talents. And what we gain in the church age will determine and uh, will, will make a difference in how we enjoy the kingdom age. Both these servants receive the same reward, right? There's not any difference the five-talent guy got the same thing the two-talent guy got. The two-talent guy got the same thing and the same rewards as the five-talent guy. Same thing. Think about it this way. Let's suppose that a father has two sons. One son is an all-American, academic, all-star basketball player, since I've talked about basketball. His other son is mentally handicapped. This son, he's already working on college degrees and courses in high school. While he's an all-star basketball player and an all-academic in, uh, in academics. This son here, he gets on the bus as well every day. He goes to a different school. One day, this son comes home and he's got his report card. He shows his dad online, here's the grades that I got. Sure enough, straight A's. 
Here's the other son. He brings home a piece of paper. He's got two A's, four B's. This son smiles and says, Dad, here's my report card. His dad says to him, Son, I am so proud of you. You'll never know how proud I am of you. This son comes and he stutters and he tries to get out the sentence, Dad, 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 here, here. His dad looks at his report card and his dad says with a smile, Son, I am so proud of you. One talent guy. Five talent guy. But both of them used their talents. But there's another area that they were rewarded. Not only were these guys, two guys, rewarded with words, but they were also rewarded with more work. And now, I just kind of call it, they were rewarded. There was the reward of wonder. You say, what do you mean by that? The wonder of the joy of Jesus Christ. You know how joy comes? Listen to me. It comes from serving your master. Do you believe that? Joy comes from serving your master. Somebody on the phone this week said, Pastor, and they told me what they had done in serving the Lord. And she said, it is so good to serve the Lord again. I want to tell you something. There is joy in serving Christ. But one of the guys got a rebuke. The rebuke of this slothful guy. The rebuke of the guy who just didn't care. The guy who just dug it and put it in a hole. And there was a rebuke coming for him. Charles Parker said this. Listen carefully. He said, the man who lives by himself and for himself is likely to be corrupted by the company that he keeps. This slothful servant, he had a distorted view. He had a messed up view. I want you to see it with me, okay? He had a distorted view, first of all, of his master. He said to him when the master came back, he said, how have you done with what I gave you to steward? And he said, well, I dug it. I put it in a hole. And he said in verse 24, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. Huh. He had a fear of God, but boy, it sure was an improper fear of God. He not only had a distorted view of his master, but he had a very disturbing view of himself. Disturbing view. You say, what was it? He said, uh, he was afraid. I was afraid. So he's got a messed up view of his master. He's got a messed up view of himself. You know why he was afraid, by the way? Because he was attached. Attached to what didn't matter in life. He was attached to something else, something else that didn't really matter instead of being attached to what did matter in life. And he has a very distorted, uh, a disturbing view of self because his view was all distorted of his master. You want to know a good view of your master, God? It would be really good if all of us would walk out of here with our view of God realigned. 
Because God gives us the, his own resume. You, you write out your resume, don't you? And, and you write out what you think you are or what you say you are, and you give it and you turn it in and hope you get a job. Well, God gave us a resume, and God's resume is of himself. And it's found in Exodus chapter 34. You ready for this? Here's what he says about himself. God said, I am the Lord. What's that mean? Adonai. Master. He said, I'm not only the Lord, I'm the Lord God, Jehovah, self-existing one. And then he says this, I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I am slow to anger. Slow to anger. And I am abounding in loving kindness and abounding in mercy. That's what God said about himself. This guy had a wrong view of God. Two of the guys had faith. One of the guys had fear. We're always in trouble when we let fear trump faith. This guy was so fearful because he was slothful. You want to see this guy's reward? All right, you ready for this? Everybody looking? You want to know his reward? Nothing. Not a single thing. No praise. No further work. No joy. Christian, how God wants you and me to be faithful and how God expects us to step up and step out and use our gifts for the Lord, for His kingdom, for His furtherance. Jesus said, He that is faithful in the little things, I will make sure that I give him more so he can be faithful in much. The poet put it this way. Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. He pointed out a tiny spot and said, tend that place for me. I answered him quickly, oh no, not that. Why, no one would ever see. No matter how well my work was done, not, not that little place for me. The word he spoke back was not stern. He simply answered me tenderly. Nazareth was a little place. And so was Galilee. Some of you many years ago probably watched the movie called Mr. Holland's Opus. Richard Dreyfus plays Glenn Holland, a musician and a composer. And Mr. Holland takes on a teaching job at a local school because he has to pay his rent. While in his spare time, he can strive to achieve something, a a true goal in his life. He had such a goal to compose one memorable piece of music that would leave its mark on the world. But as time goes, 
and life goes. The years unfolded. And the joy of sharing his contagious love for music became a new definition of success. He spent 30 years as a music teacher until one day, man, I got the news. Because of cost, they were shutting down the music program at that local high school. The last day came for Mr. Holland, the last day of his school tenure. Man, was he surprised when there was a celebration. And the celebration, it was for him. And the governor of the state showed up, and at that celebration, the governor of the state became the MC of the whole celebration for Mr. Holland. And the reason being was because that governor used to be a student of Mr. Holland, a music student. The governor of that state stood up, came to the platform, and spoke to the crowd. But most of all, to Mr. Holland. He said, Mr. Holland, you had a profound influence on my life. On a lot of lives, he said. And yet I get the feeling that he considered a great part of his own life misspent. The governor said, rumor had it that Mr. Holland was always working on his symphony of his and That symphony was going to make him a rich man. It was going to make him a famous man, maybe both. But Mr. Holland, he's not rich. And Mr. Holland is not famous. At least not from anywhere outside of our little town. So it might be easy, he said, for Mr. Holland to think himself a failure. And oh, how wrong he would be. Because I believe he achieved a success far beyond riches and far beyond fame. The governor said, look around. There's not a life in this room, he said, that has not been touched by Mr. Holland. And each one of us here today is a better person because of you, Mr. Holland. We are your symphony. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. Christian, who are the melodies of your life? Who are the notes of your life? Would your world around you look any different if you were not here? Jesus gathered the multitude together. And he took a simple short story. But man, how profound. And how deep. 
because he wanted you and me in 2023 over 2,000 years later to know that he's given us some talents and those talents have not been given to bury but they have been given for every single solitary person here without fail to take that talent and use it are you using it I don't know what your talent is and I don't know what level of talent you have but I know you have one I'm telling you that one year from now this church could look so different if we would use our talents every one of us last week Kike came and preached here I got a lot of texts from a lot of people said yeah I like that guy funny yeah but I tell you what I like about him he's passionate somebody gave money above their tithe last year a good chunk of money and said pastor I don't want this to go to the general fund I want it to go to I want it to go to ministries in the church and and how you the burden that God lays on your heart to use it you know you know what I took some of that money somewhere around 10,000 bucks and went to Mexico and gave it to the pastors so that they could come to a pastor's conference they couldn't get there if it wasn't for that money they can't afford it somebody said I'm going to use my gift I'm going to use my talent here you know what there were close to 100 200 pastors there with their wives there'll be more this year Kike was the leader of that conference Somebody said, here's my talent. Use it. Your talent may not be money. Your talent may be singing. Your talent may be that you can be behind that camera right over there that nobody's at today. Your talent might be to go and visit shut-ins that are the loneliest people on the face of God's earth just waiting to die. There are places, and you you look at a church like this and you say, this is such a large church that uh, I probably don't have a place to serve. No, I'm telling you right now, this is such a large church with so many ministries, we we need people to serve. Not just to come and not just to listen. It breaks my heart to think that there are people that haven't got to sit where you're sitting for months because all they're doing is serving every single week. I don't know about you, but I need to be fed some. And so does everybody. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, here's my profound, profound short story. Here's your talent. There's reckoning day. Take the talent and use it. Because one day, Jesus is going to come knocking at the door, Brent Snook, and he's going to say, hey, Brent, I saved your soul. 
I died for you. I spilt my blood for you. I gave you talents. Tell me how you did. Don't sit. Serve. Father, I'm asking and praying that this short story, this parable of Christ would go deep with the seed into the soil of your people. And Lord God, I'm asking and praying that you might take every one of us and make us do some self-examination this morning. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you might help us to use our talents for you, knowing that we ought to do it out of love for you. But God, we ought to do it also because there's a reward coming. Man, I can't wait to go through the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and serve. God, I hope I'm faithful to the finish. And I pray that we might look for that day. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from God's Word. Before you go, if you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the message of Christ's love. Thanks again for listening.